Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, time for another media spotlight edition of the podcast as we will go deep into the big doings at ESPN lately. Eric Lopez, Adam Eaton are back on the job once again. Help us break all this down and some other media stories. Gentlemen, welcome. Good to be back. Uh, glad, uh, Jeff, uh, you didn't lay us off. So uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> sure Adam does as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, is Dan and Keith, are they going to be on this show? I'm actually <laughs> expecting to see them now after I heard that intro, Jeff. It's fantastic. Thanks for having us back, by the way. <laughs> yes, of course. You know, I didn't have to make any layoffs because, you know, my budget for paying you guys is pretty much nothing. So, <laughs> you'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm on the New York Times, apparently. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. Now, now, how, now, what is it? Housed by the Athletic. They're... Sports department. So there you go. Great time to be in sports media, kids. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, no kidding. Of course, ESPN having their big uh, layoff, uh, you know, within the last couple of weeks. And this one most prominent because most of their layoffs have been behind the scenes and with radio and things like that. But uh, they they cut a lot of on-air talent this time around, which definitely... Uh, was a bigger shockwave, if you will, as far as that goes, because these are the people you see and and whatnot. Let's start off first by asking which name surprised you the most as far as their cuts. Yeah, I'll go. I, I think it was it was rumored. I know Andrew Marchand had had some some leaks in advance uh, of some some names that are out there. I, I actually think the name, and this was rumored, but I, I didn't believe it. Susie Colbert was a name that really, really surprised me, only because she'd been with ESPN for such a long amount of time. She'd been a staple on that Monday night football coverage. She's versatile. She's done other sports and can do other sports. And so that was a name that really kind of surprised me because you you ask yourself, who's in line to succeed Susie Colbert at that desk, right? They've got Laura Rutledge and they've got Sam Ponder who do a lot of the, the, the college football and the NFL live stuff, right? So who's in line to succeed that? Maria Taylor jumped ship a couple of years ago. You don't have a natural successor there is it field yates is, is he is he getting that run are they gonna are they gonna pull a, a greenberg and find somebody to throw on the set from another another spot uh, i think that's a unknown I, di- I didn't quite see uh the um i guess the backfill for Susie colder so she was probably the one that was most shocking again rumored to be happening andrew marchand had a lot of this in advance but i was still surprised to see that name yeah and of course Susie colder you know uh started when ESPN2 debuted with Sports Night, and she was on there with Tony Bruno and Keith Olbermann, who complained, you know, who ultimately uh, stated the end of my career with this. leather leather jacket, Keith Olbermann. Yes, <laughs> yes. Wow, this is a lot of Keith Olbermann references already on the show yes. here, early on here. Uh, for me, it was Jeff Van Gundy. I, I think everybody was kind of floored by that one. I don't think anybody saw that coming, considering. He's been part of that marquee team with Mike Breen and Mark Jackson for what? Going since 07, 08 finals, I want to say. I mean, he's been a long tenured right there. And that's been the team that ABC's gone with. I think a majority of people like that tandem. The thing I don't get is, you know, about all this and why this one surprises me is, so you get rid of Jacks, uh, uh, Van Gundy, but not Jackson. Uh, and I think everybody would agree Mark Jackson's nowhere near good without Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, I don't understand this one. 
especially with the NBA contract about to, you know, is coming up. And, and it's brought up a lot of conspiracy theories of why this might, he might have been picked. Uh, you know, so I, I'm this, that's the one that has shocked me of all the other ones uh, because I, I thought for sure, I mean, he's one of the top NBA analysts, whether you like him. I know some people think he complains too much, but I think he's fantastic when it talks about analyzing the game. And I think him and Breen are phenomenal. And this, to me, this leaves a huge question mark on what the NBA coverage is going to look like for ESPN now with the broadcast coming up this season. And, of course, you kind of think, too, I mean, if they would have, you know, cut Jackson, you very well could have just kept two-man situation there with that with that broadcast. Right, and that's what I don't get. Why Van Gundy and not Jackson? Is there something behind the scenes? You know, I, I, I've heard somebody told me that, you know, Mark Jackson's well-liked behind the scenes or maybe Van Gundy ruffles some feathers. Obviously, you know, there's been Chris Russo throughout the theory that maybe the NBA pushed ESPN to do this, which sounds crazy, but, you know, Bill Simmons has said over the years that, that David Stern blocked Stan Van Gundy from joining Countdown about back in the day. So did the NBA get tired of Jeff Van Gundy complaining about officiating and so much? That they told ESPN get him out, or ESPN? I, I don't know. Just this one just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, of all, I mean, none of them really do, to be honest. Because what, as I read this, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, they still get paid even if they yeah. get like go. So what? How are you saving money this way? Like, I guess you're hoping they find other works, so then you can get out of the deal. But it just seems like this whole thing is bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a twofold thing, Elo. So for what I understand, what they do is they spread out the contracts over multiple cycles. So essentially, you don't pay it in the year that it was due. You essentially get to kind of amortize it out. So you, in theory, quote unquote, make your quarter or make your your book for that month from a financial standpoint. And to your point, you hope that that back end of those of those contracts get bought out when they get other jobs, other other elsewhere. So it's really just kind of moving left pocket, right pocket from a money standpoint. It doesn't really save you anything, but it from a stock perspective, it allows the stockholders and the shareholders to figure that out. Ultimately, what this is, is a math exercise, right? Somebody from Disney goes to Jimmy Pitaro and says, hey, your number has to be X by this date. You can get there however you want, right? If, so if that means you have to cut $100 million in, in payroll, you can cut one guy worth $100 million or 10 guys worth $10 million. You can do whatever you want to get there. And that's kind of the math. And that's what I'm curious. I want to get into it with, with both of you. Because I imagine there's got to be a formula for how these names ended on this list, right? So one, salary is a big part, right? We definitely understand that some of these individuals are, are probably making a, a sum of money that they felt like was maybe too great or they didn't want to pay anymore. Two, redundancy. Who's on this list that there's somebody else that does a comparable job for them and or somebody where they have a lot of a lot of areas covered? Three, are there natural backfills? Are there people that are waiting in the wings that they think can take these roles for cheaper? And which of those three things is really the driving cost here, or is it all three, right? I think with each of these people, you can probably look at one or the other and say, okay, this one feels like a backfill. This one feels like a redundancy. This is probably a salary dump. But I imagine in case I'm, unless I'm forgetting something and you, you all correct me, what else are the reasons why you think these 20 names or whatever the number ends up being would be on this list? I think it's gotta be one of those three things. Well, first I gotta say that you are now the head of the finance department here at the podcast. Clearly, now we know who's in charge of the budget. On Clearly, well, the budget's zero, so <laughs> <laughs> problem solved. We're good. Yeah, you know, that's... To me, I think, I you know, backfill is part of the equation, but I think some of these you don't have to backfill. Um, I mean, I don't see any need to backfill for Steve Young. 
you know, on Monday well, night. By, by backfill, I mean you, you you sort of redo the the you know the the cast, right? So yeah, with okay. Monday Night Football now now with Susie gone, with Steve gone, they're going to redo that cast, right? Yes. If, you know, if I think back to Countdown, I think now you build around probably RG three, right? Who did a really nice job on that on that Monday set. You have Randy Moss, who I I think was on and off. I'm not sure what his status is going to be Monday nights. Um, you know, you had um, you had Alex Smith, who was there for a while, who did a nice job. So I think you just rebuild on, on that one. When I think of a backfill, I think it's something like, you know, a Jalen Rose, right? He got cut from uh, really from from Countdown, right? Because he, mm. he stopped doing Jalen Jacoby a long time ago. He stopped doing the radio stuff. He stopped doing Get Up. So he was really just Countdown. You take Jalen Rose off, you throw Kendrick Perkins on, and the ship keeps on moving. So I think there's some people there that are kind of replaceable from a backfill standpoint. And that's where, to Elo's point, who's the natural backfill for Jeff Van Gundy? Right. Is is this do we blow that entire booth up now? Is Mark Jackson now going to go do work with somebody else? And does that become Mike Breen and Doris Burke? Or does that become Mike Breen and a name that I think ESPN seems to like a lot lately in basketball? JJ Redick. Right. Is that how you sort of rebuild that booth? So that's what I'm curious. What are the what are the decisions and what are the points that go into some of these names? Well, and how about the fact that maybe part of this, too, is this it gives you cap space, if you will. I'll use a sports term cap space to bring somebody yeah. in like Max Kellerman. All right, got let go in part because Pat McAfee's going to take his spot, right? Like so, this just in, uh, this just in, he's out because <laughs> Pat McAfee's coming into that slot, and that's why they got rid of uh, the uh, Keyshawn Johnson in the as well. So that's why they got rid of the radio show, and they're getting rid of that afternoon slot, so they're creating space for Pat McAfee. So how much of this is? Let's get rid of a Steve Young who basically only does the Monday night countdown and then five good minutes with pardon the interruption. He doesn't do Sunday. He doesn't really – I don't even think he was part of the Super Bowl coverage uh, with Chris Berman like he was in the past. He doesn't go through the car I, wash that, right. that, that, that I, they do. I, I think part of this – because ideally, and this is what is going to annoy me, right? Like I wouldn't be – you know, it would be one thing if they said, all right, the Monday Night Countdown is going to be a smaller cast. But you, we all know that's not the case. They're just going to bring different people in there. And I think they're going to bring people from the outside – which is going to agitate people saying, wait a minute, you just got rid of this person because they made too much money, but yet you bring in this person. I think we're going to see some of that uh, as a result to make some of these replacements, whether you agree with it or not. But I I think that's also part of it, Adam. I think they want to bring in some new faces and they're like Pat McAfee, who's going to be a big part of college game day. Oh, by the way, David Pollack gone. Yeah. 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 And David Pollack would have been my pick for most surprising of, of, yeah. of the cuts there, too. Well, I think that's the redundancy element, right? Now you have a bunch of different voices on that college game day set. You know, who is going to go? Again, I, I would not have gone Pollock. I think we talked in, in the cast uh, of that show before that I would probably cut De- Desmond Howard in that configuration and kept Pollock, but I'm sure there's reasons why that had to happen, right? So I, I think there's some redundancy. Here's another name that's redundant, Todd McShay. Right. Todd McShay gets good. You have Mel Kuyper, right? You don't really need Todd McShay as that second voice on draft. They've been promoting Matt Miller as a guy that's been on the draft stage this year, which was interesting. So Todd McShay is one of those that you go, okay, I can see the redundancy element there and, and sort of why, why that has to be that way. So I think it's interesting. There's another name on this list I thought was really, really interesting. And I don't know if, if either of you um, recognize this or picked up on this. Um, he's not a name a lot of people are going to really know, but it was Doug Kazarian who was really, he was moved out to Las Vegas. He was a former sports anchor, moved to LA and really started the Daily Wager show. Started sort of ESPN's entree, if you will, into some sort of a daily gambling show. They built a set for them out there in Las Vegas. And Doug Kazarian was sort of the stand up for that particular part of the ESPN business. And now he's gone. 
I thought that was interesting. I don't I don't know where ESPN goes with its betting shows and its betting platforms. I know they have other voices there. But Doug was kind of that first one that went out there and sort of became part of that that Las Vegas betting um, daily wager show, and, and he got axed. I thought that was interesting. It makes me wonder if they're going to get rid of that show in general because you can't imagine that's a financial, like he's making a big set. Like there was a couple moves they made too. They were like, wait, really? Like Nick Friedell, who – I've known for a long time, used to when I used to do the radio producing. Thank you. It's been a while. Um, I'm going to get used to hearing bells. I have a feeling in my future. But um, Nick Friedell, I've known because I booked him when I was at 1080 on Tuck and O'Neill line. And every time he would come to town, whether it be when he was covering the Bulls or covering whatever, I would run into him and talk to me. Great guy. Why are you cutting him? Like, you're telling me he's making that big of a difference in the budget? Like, really? Like, that one makes it just moves like that is weird. And then they, they got rid of Jordan Cornette, who's hosting like a lot of the ACC network programming. Uh, maybe that goes to Adam's theory about redundancy. Maybe they just feel they have enough with Kelsey Riggs. And I don't know. Some of those is like, are you really, is that really going to make a big budget difference to, I, I think some of this too, is like you said, I think they're trying to get rid of some, you know, they feel they can cut some, t- uh, some bait with some other moves. But I think the gambling part is interesting because you would think they'd be all about that, but, that show is usually buried on ESPN too a lot of times. So yeah. do they just feel like anybody can host that show or maybe they're going to scrap that show? That'll be something to watch. Yeah. You know, and how what? much you look, you look at also how much out there is in the gambling space. There is a ton of content out yeah. there. Maybe they just feel like, you know what? We just give up that space altogether. I, I think this is where, again, this is my complete theory. I've talked to uh, Jimmy Pitaro and I have not spoken in a while, so I don't have this on good authority. But here's thank you. Here is my theory on this one. Right. So, again, imagine that Jimmy's told you have to you have to get into this number by this date. Right. And that means 100 million in cuts. Right. I think you go through that list of ELO and you go, OK, you know, Max Kellerman, you know, we, we're done. We're going to we're going to get rid of him. He's making X. Right. You start going down the list and then you kind of get to that. All right. I got that last 15 mil. I got to cut off the budget. Right. And then, then I think that's where you find the you know the the jason fitzes and the june lees and the jordan cornets where it's like i just need to make up a little bit more of this salary here i have some redundancy that's where i think some of those names come from because i feel bad for nick fredell because he was on get up that morning he was literally on get up and they were talking about damian lillard and all the nba trade stuff it was him it was uh it was winhorst uh it was uh what's his name uh, alan hahn from the radio show they were on get up and then later that afternoon nick fredell thanks for your service no <laughs> from get up to here. get so, out <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't know if it came down to math, Elo, at some point. I'm like, look, we got $10 million and we got to figure out like who's in that. Almost like fantasy baseball. Who's in that price range? All right, these are the names. And it sucks to think of it that way. It sucks to think of people and human beings who have jobs and families and, and a lot of things on their plate as as that kind of you know, that kind of a piece. But that's what makes me wonder if the Ashley Brewers of the world weren't just caught up in the last couple of cuts because they needed to get to a number. Yeah. It's, you know, and, and then you also have the people who look at it from the other aspect, okay? It's like, all right, you're paying gazillions of dollars to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Stephen A. Smith. And these are the people who, you know, aren't making boatloads of money. Now, a lot of these people aren't needle drivers like the names I have mentioned, but it is an interesting aspect of that when you look at the amount of money they're investing in three or four guys you know that what that's you're talking about 100 million yeah 
Well, this doesn't even count, guys. I mean, the, this is the layoff list. There was names released ahead of time on, on folks whose contracts weren't going to be renewed. So Rob Nikovich, Chris Chelios, there's rumors that Vince Carter's deal won't be renewed in September. So these are just the, the these are just the layoffs. There are other people who, whose contracts weren't renewed or end up leaving prior to that as well, too. So this is just kind of the tip of the iceberg on, on, on some of that stuff. But I think the other name that was interesting to me, guys, was Gene Wojciechowski, uh, who ended up getting cut from a Century College game band. He's sort of their feature reporter. He's kind of the Tom Rinaldi 2.0 he's on screen get a tissue because you're probably gonna end up having a tear up moment because he typically does those human interest pieces um he did a lot of great work in college game but college game day is a show that's really taken some hits lately too guys i'm really interested to see what they do with game day obviously pollock was yeah pollock was a big part losing felica to to fox sports i mean rinaldi obviously leaves a few years ago now you lose wojciechowski we know corso is probably not going to be around that set much longer i think college game day is going to be another one to keep an eye on with mcafee coming in and how they redress that set yeah i think that show is going to change completely uh i think it's within the next year maybe not this year but i think within the next year you're going to see a lot of different faces on that show because first of all the pollock role is underrated because he took a lot of those segments where they they allowed corso not to do those segments he was the guy that would come in and fill in the corso segments because they didn't want corso to be on there for three hours what are you gonna who is that guy now corso can't do a three-hour show so um I think that's a big question. You mentioned the Woj part there with Gene Wojciechowski. Uh, so it, where do they go? Does Jen Leda get a bigger role there or not? I don't know. You got McAfee. I think he's going to have a bigger role on that show. Don't you just feel – I think it's clear McAfee's going to be the face of that show moving forward. Yeah. He's the yep. new Corso. And I think – I've said this on this show, I know. I'm telling you, I think Kurt Herbstreet's counting down the days. The day that Corso leaves is the day Herbstreet's going to leave game day because he's got a lot on his plate so i'm telling you i think this college game day is going to look totally different probably about a year or two from now well and that brings another question because uh obviously you know corso is pretty much an opening and closing segment guy now that's pretty much what what he's down to and you know how much of matt of mcafee is a good thing or a bad thing i think that's something that's going to be uh you know i like mcafee in small doses myself so you know, I might be in the minority there, but that's kind of how I. Well, the I, problem is we're in the wrong demographic, and I don't think that's this is not the demographic they're going after. I think they're going after the young demographics, mm-hmm. the young people. So I think that's part of ESPN's game plan, right? That's why you're bringing in Pat McAfee to do a show in the early afternoon is to get the young people going and get some draw of some viewers there uh, after first take. I think that's a big factor in this. Yeah. Well, I think you're also seeing too, Jeff, is you're seeing when ESPN's paying these guys that, that larger contract, there, there's multiple responsibilities, right? Greenberg does get up, right? He's doing NFL draft. He's doing NFL and NBA countdown. Stephen A. Smith does everything for some reason, except for hockey. Don't talk to him about hockey or baseball. Outside of that, Stephen A. Smith does everything. McAfee's going to do radio. He's going to do podcasting. He's going to do TV in some, in some form or fashion. So versatility. I think, versatility. I think that's also the new model is, how, you know, what else can you bring to the table, right? And I think the gone are the days of you're paying so and so. X just to do one thing. Scott Van Pelt does golf coverage, does does Sports Center, does some podcast stuff for for ESPN still. So I think you're you're seeing versatility. I think you're going to see a lot of McAfee in a lot of places. I think he's best suited in that radio podcast form. I think some of the conversations, interviews he has at times, I think are interesting. To your point, as he's more mainstream, quote unquote, now Jeff, because I think that's where I'm interested. Where McAfee, he kind of took the reverse Lebetard approach, which was he built his own thing, did it his way, and kind of built himself as somebody who wasn't 
wasn't going to be quote unquote corporate, right? He was going to do things his way, right? For the brand, use the F word, whatever he wants to do. And then he literally went to the most corporate machine he can go to. And that's an interesting, that's an interesting <laughs> shift. He did, he did the reverse Levitard. And I'm curious how that plays with his fan base who loved him for being unapologetically authentic. And now that's going to have to change a little bit for that, that broader audience. How does that play? I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to look at over the next 18 months as he starts that contract. Interesting. Um, so we kind of talked about, you know, all right, who fills some of those spots? So uh, we kind of covered the Van Gundy thing. I, you know, Dorsberg has definitely been the, the, the name that has been floated the most out there. I got uh, a name, though, that I would pick. Please. It's Doc Rivers. To me, uh, that's the guy. I think Doc Rivers, who was fantastic when he was in TV a while back, he just, you know, he's still been in the league. To me, that's the only move where I could see them sort of, I don't know if survive is a strong word, but sort of be like, oh, okay, we're all right, we're fine, because I think Doc's good. Look, everybody loves Doris Burke, I get it. I just think moving her up to that number one, it reminds me a little bit of when Mark Jones filled in for Mike Brink because Mike Brink caught COVID, right? Mm. He did game seven of the Heat Celtics. And I remember it was like, yeah, man, I miss Mike Brink. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, geez, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know about all that. I kind of feel the same way about Dorsberg. I think you, Adam makes bring up brought up J.J. Redick. I think that's too soon. I, agree. I don't think that's too soon in my opinion. That's a big risk. Like, this is the most important property for ABC. When you think about it, they have the NBA Finals every year. I, I and then what do you do with Mark Jackson and all this? Is he going to have to be with a, a you know a, a one of these people? Does he do you shiv him, move him to the studio? Do you, I mean what happens there uh, is wild to me. But I think Doc Rivers would be my pick if you're going to replace Jeff Van Gundy. My my only question with Doc Rivers, and I'm not trying to be funny when I ask this question, is is his voice going to hold up? Doc's <laughs> voice has gotten <laughs> worse well, yeah. over the years. <laughs> You've got to rebound. Like, is he going to be able to? Act? I, I'm not even sure be funny. Like, is his well, he doesn't have to yell at jo- uh, James Harden as much. Other. That's not true. I mean, if Mark is Harden's, he's broadcasting. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh yeah. That's- but real quick, does, does this does this reunite or hopefully unite? The Van Gundy brothers on TNT, right? Do we get Ooh. what we're looking for there, which is a Van Gundy? Is that Gundy what we want, though? Gundy. Is that what we want? I think we- I do. I think I do. I'd love I- to see them in a maining cast style watching the game together, yelling at each other, yelling at the referees, yelling at everything. I think the Van Gundys as a tandem would be really interesting to see how that played out. I don't know if you could do it on a broadcast. It may need to be studio or it may need to be some sort of a maining cast style. I could see them doing it for a year. Now, if you're Jeff Van Gundy, here's the other thing is, do you just wait? So this new NBA TV deal gets struck, right? Because all the talk is that a, you know another network could be involved, maybe an NBC, maybe an Amazon. Well, who's going to be the number one target, right? Like he can make a ton of money with Amazon. Or let's say Amazon gets the package of the NBA. He would be the number one target, I would think, or, or NBC type. So that's the question is, do you jump to TNT and reunite with your brother and, and be the main there? Or do you wait it out? And join, you know, get a big paycheck from another network. Yeah, my prediction is Jeff Van Gundy ends up uh, NBC. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is the big burning question. If NBC gets back into the NBA, are they going to pull this theme out? Because right now, Fox Sports has the rights to it. John Tesh <laughs> owns that property and leases it out. Do you want well, to? Adam's the budget expert. Adam can figure yeah, out a way to yeah, get it so, back in. So, I mean, to me, yeah. you know, Fox using this for college basketball, 
Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't resonate the Makes same. No sense. It does Makes not no resonate sense. the same. I feel like there would be pressure for Fox to give it up back to NBC. Yeah. So yeah, that was look, my the good news question. is Fox and NBC already have a working relationship with the USFL, which like five people watch. So I mean, I feel like they can pick that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So that was my big burning question. Is you got <laughs> if NBC gets back in the game. That has to be the theme, right? Just like ESPN when they got back into the NHL. They, the music, right, yeah. right, absolutely. <laughs> the iconic stuff. So, but uh, yeah, I think I think Van Gundy waits myself just to see. Okay, who's gonna who's who's gonna have the best chair available? I agree. Hey, just, I, it, he's got leverage. Yeah, I mean, he he did mention that there's some talk of him getting back into coaching or maybe thinking about <laughs> coaching again. Again, I don't know how much you believe that, but that could pretend to him sort of playing it out and letting suitors know that, hey, I'm going to keep myself open. So, you know, bring your, bring your offers my way. I just think a, a Vegundi's plural sort of a broadcast would be interesting to, to see, even if we only get it for a year or so. Listen, and if not, if not, you know, Stan lives in Orlando. I say bring in Jeff to be the analyst for UCF basketball games, get them on Sons of UCF every week to break Let's down go. UCF basketball in the meantime. Ah. That actually would be fun. I think they would actually enjoy doing something sort of off. I really do. Like, I, that. Yeah. like Stan yeah. used to do that when Stan was in coaching before he did TV. He was doing like Levitard's show every week. He actually did yeah. uh, Mike Bianchi's show to do a lot. So I actually think that could be another avenue. I, I would If Jeff does not get into coaching or broadcasting this year, you're definitely going to hear him on radio shows. And I say Sons of UCF should get first cracks. Yeah, there I'll you go. Call. I'll make a call. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about Susie Culver's position, and, and you mentioned uh, Laura Rutledge probably would be the front runner, you think, for that? I don't They, they hit so, – so one of the things ESPN struggled with was NFL Live. That was a property that for a long time had a revolving door of, of hosts and, and chairs and analysts. And I think they finally got some mix of that correct with Laura, Ryan Clark, Mina Kimes, Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears. I think they've got something with that group. I don't, I don't know if they want to break that up per se. I could see them maybe taking that group and putting them live on the set, right? So those that – NFL live, live from Monday night. Then you got to figure out what to do with Alex Smith and RG3 and some of the other individuals. But I think they've got a good mix with that group. I think that group has actually stabilized NFL live, which for a long time was a bit of a throwaway show for them. I think maybe you take that group and just pluck them in on Monday night at Lumen Field in Seattle. And we just, we just start rolling with that group. I, I, so I think that's my prediction is that's an entire redo on that, on that front. I think, well, they've been traveling for certain Monday night games already anyway. Yeah. Uh, there. There's a couple ways they can go with this because obviously, you know, she could still host Monday Night Countdown, and even if they separate MNFL Live from that, she could still host NFL Live the rest of the way. That you know, it, it, and I think that's part of the reason why Susie's out because Susie kind of hasn't hosted NFL Live anymore. Doesn't do this, you know, doesn't do a lot of stuff. To your point, so I think whatever they decide to do, it's going to be somebody that can do multiple things. Whether it's they go the traditional route and have a Laura Rutledge host it. Uh, or even a Sam Ponder, who's to say maybe they move Sam Ponder to the Monday night role and move Laura Rutledge to Sunday countdown. And then she could still host NFL Live under that scenario. Although, if she does get one of these assignments, does she give up the SEC Nation show that she hosts on Saturday uh, on the SEC Network show? Or do they go non-traditional? There's been some speculation that maybe this is Mina Kimes. They just have her be, quote, the host and do something different that way where you have a non-traditional host that way and have a bunch of people talking football that way. I mean, that, those are the ways I think they're going to go with the Monday night show. And far as Susie Culver, where do you think she ends up? That's a, that's a tough one because 
there's not a lot of slots open to be a host, right? So is she willing to be back on the field as sideline, for example? Uh, I, that's the tough part. I mean, Adam, unless you can think of a spot for her. I mean, I, a lot of people think she might be one of the best hosts right now. That's the irony of all this, is she might be the best host of the three, at least for the NFL. has been with the NFL for a long time. You know, NFL Network, I mean, is that something that she could certainly maybe at a minimum she ends up there? Uh, I don't know if there's anything on the broadcast networks. I mean, I think she's better than a lot of the hosts on the current landscape, but I don't know if they have space for her right now. I mean, Adam, do you have anything that comes to your head, your mind for her? Yeah, NFL Network was the first thing that came to mind, Elo, is is they have a, a revolving, you know, door of hosts sort of midweek in some of those shows as well. Rich Eisen's obviously their their main host, but he's doing a lot of other stuff these days. So does she sort of become, you know, that one beat of Rich Eisen? I think it also depends, guys, and if she's willing to do or able or wants to do other sports, right? If you want to get into basketball, she wants to get into some baseball coverage, there's probably opportunities from a hosting standpoint out, out there. But if she stays true to football, I think NFL Network makes the most sense for me, Elo. But you think about the NBA contract coming up, college basketball with March Madness and Turner, right? They, they obviously, um, you know, there's one thing that set does not have a lot of its diversity, right? Susie Coble would bring that from from that standpoint. So, but is she willing to do basketball, college basketball? Right, or is she just want, right, or does she just want to stick to football only? And then you're right, Colleen Wolf has kind of hosted a lot of their game sites stuff yeah. when it's not Eisen, but obviously, I think the NFL ever could take Colbert very easily there. Uh, they had a really NFL did a good uh, segment on her, like a documentary on her, kind of how she played football and things like that. Um, do you think side? I mean, the other thing is, would she be willing to do sideline? Could sideline be something that she want to do? Maybe she becomes part of a, one of those sideline packages for uh, the some of the NFL packages there, either whether it be CBS or a Fox or something. Although even that, I think, is a long shot because Tracy Wolfson seems to be locked in as the number one on CBS. And they seem to have Aaron Andrews and uh, Rinaldi locked into the number one on Fox. Uh, I don't know if, you know, would NBC give up uh, bail on uh, a Melissa Stark that quick? I don't think so. And I don't think they would bail on a Maria Taylor. Sunday Night Football would be the other one I would think of for Susie Cole. But they just, again, I think they're committed to Mar- Maria Taylor. I think the timing's just terrible right now. Mm. It's terrible. So unless a network is willing to move on from somebody hosting-wise, I don't, I think Adam's right. I think it's NFL Network. That that's going to be probably the favorite there. And, you know, she may just wait out a year or two and see how it, the dust settles. Yeah. Keyshawn Johnson, where does he land? Right across from Skip Bayless is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Looking Skip Bayless square in his eyes. God love you, Keyshawn Johnson. I look, he's an LA guy. That's an LA based show. Um, you know, obviously he, he likes to talk. I think he fancies himself some form of a, uh, of a savant on, on sports stuff. We can all disagree if that's, that's the case, which I do. <laughs> and look, I think that's the formula that Skip Bayless has, has taken over time. So I think he's looking square in the, in the eyes of Skip Bayless on, on Undisputed. FS, yeah, he's, I think that's, I think he's definitely going to be a part of that show in some capacity, whether it's be the new co-host or have segments there. It would not shock me either if they, Fox added him to their not their there's too many pregame shows not their main pregame show but the other pregame show yeah. the one that sean payton was on yeah the one that precedes i could see him yeah taking over the sean payton role there interesting yeah yeah <laughs> one that precedes pregames <laughs> yes yes uh that's... would you use would you use Keyshawn for college football coverage on on fox eric Ooh, I, some- I don't know how closely he follows I mean, it though. U- USC going to the Big Ten. Fox obviously has the the Big Ten, right? I mean, would you would you use Keyshawn as kind of that West Coast Big Ten USC time? Would make more sense than Mark Ingram. 
kids. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Max Kellerman. So, you know, he, you know, it's, he's, he's an interesting story, you know, having come up at ESPN big time in the boxing thing. And then, you know, he moved on to Fox, got his own show and all that, that all fell apart. He ends up back at ESPN, uh, gets, uh, Gets on with Stephen A. Then Stephen A. dismisses him, uh, and then he he's doing radio. He's doing this just in. Where does he go? I have an outside the box, off the wall, no no sourcing kind of idea. I think Max Kellerman ends up with Shannon Sharp on Fanduel. I think they they go they take their show to Fanduel. There's a little bit of boxing, you know, elements, obviously, with with um, with gambling in Vegas. There's a bit of a sparring of a shows. They both Shannon and Max have, quote unquote, failed potentially or not worked out in their previous debate shows. Do they now come together and do they form their own super team? There's already rumors about Shannon thinking about FanDuel replacing the McAfee spot as he goes to ESPN. Do you bring Shannon and Max in debate show something along the lines of a, of a first take or of an undisputed? Because outside of that. No offense to Max. What is he? What is he known for? It's boxing, right? Other than that, he's he's a commenter, so he's not going to be on the NFL Network. He's not going to be in the NBA. He's not going to be in baseball. He doesn't have the expertise, the chops. I don't think he's that good of a host to sort of host a show in that respect. So he's a, he's a commentator at this point, right? He knows boxing the best, but that's not necessarily mainstream. I don't think he can get into UFC. I don't think that's a, a land that they're going to welcome into, him into. So he needs a place that he can argue and yell about stuff. I think he heads to one of those, you know, one of those new gaming companies. I think FanDuel losing McAfee. You, you pair him with with uh, with with Shannon Sharp. You got a, you got a show. You're welcome, FanDuel. Well, he's definitely a guy that's a candidate's going to have a podcast on some form, right? Like Spotify, etc. There, I wouldn't be. Don't rule out him re- reuniting with a Marcellus White uh, Wiley either. Sure, he, fair, he's doing yeah. a long time radio in California, or even a Keyshawn. If Keyshawn doesn't end up there, he used to do shows with. So there's a lot. There's some options he could go there. I think he's got to get back to boxing. I. I I hated how ESPN didn't use them because that boxing is really what uh, kind of gave him his second life, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing the HBO boxing with Jim Lampley, and then HBO kind of dumped boxing. And I thought, okay, he's going to fit in nicely to the boxing. But ESPN never used him as an analyst per se. They used him as more of a host in there. It just was an odd fit. I think he will end up back in boxing, whether it's Showtime a package, part of the Showtime package, or the Zone, which is another. You know, we haven't mentioned that, but they do do a lot of boxing. That would make a lot of sense for him. Even like I think Fox, when they do some of the top ranked boxing with Brian Kenny calling play by play, that's where Max Kellerman started his boxing career was with uh, ESPN and Brian Kenny doing those Friday night fights. So he's definitely going to end up somewhere in boxing. And then I think a separate deal is going to be whether it be a podcast with Fanduel or Whatever, I think, is what for the other sports stuff, I think he will do that. Marcellus Wiley would make a ton of sense if he reunites with him there. Uh, But I could see him doing, like, his own podcasting uh, there. And who knows with FS1, if FS1 ever wants to do a a day, a long day programming of content like ESPN, maybe they give him a show uh, to some extent. But I I think boxing, he's got it. He's going to get back in some way with boxing, whether it be Showtime, The Zone, Whatever. I, I think we're going to see him calling boxing here in the near future. All right. David Pollack. So where does he go now he, to speak to your uh, big noon kickoff having Mark Ingram? Boy, uh, if they waited just a little bit longer, you know, they, land, they could land David Pollack. So 
he to me is would be a very intriguing free agent for for many of these networks out there. I agree. I still don't understand the Mark Ingram fit. Can anybody explain that one to me? Like he's not even retired, so he in theory could sign with an, a team during training camp and bail on them. Now I understand. I guess the Reggie Bush contract didn't work out or whatever, but the the Mark Ingram fit there is weird. It's almost like they're trying to say, hey, you know, we don't just cover Big Ten you know, football, but yet that's all you guys are going to do. So, like, I don't really understand the Mark Ingram fit there. Like, I mean, unless they want him, like, you know, maybe he'll be at, like, you know, at a UCF football game camp, you know, on remote or something. I don't know. Um, I agree with you about Pollock. That's an interesting fit. Boy, that feels like a CBS Sports Network deal. I I hate it for him on that, but it feels like a CBS sport. Kind of like Randy Cross when CBS got rid of him and he kind of landed on – they moved him to CBS Sports Network. I feel like that's going to be – he's going to be on CBS Sports Network arguing with Brian Jones about the SEC. I feel like that's where it's headed. Yeah, there's not a lot of landing spots. I mean, ESPN owns so much of the landscape in college football that you can't even say SEC Network. or I mean, that's all still of an ESPN property, so it's going to be tough to figure out where he goes. CBS Sports is what I wrote down to Elo, obviously in some form or fashion. But again, I think keep an eye on it. Does a streaming service try to get into a package someplace? You know, do they need broadcasters? Is, is that Pollock? I don't know that he's a good in-game broadcaster, though. I think he's probably more of a studio guy, so he may have to find a studio gig to help him. I don't. I don't know if I want him on on the color analyst call in a game. No, but well, here's what you could do. Because CBS will have the SEC one more this pat this year will be their last year. Have him as part of the pregame SEC. You know, you're going to have him before SEC games. Have him on there. And still, you, you could still use him on CBS Sports Network. Because what they kind of done with that pregame, it's, um, it's Zucker and Rick Neuheisel. And, and Brian, Jones. Brian Jones. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian Jones, I think yeah. you can yeah. easily slide Pollock into that role for the pregame before an SEC game this year on the main network and still use him on CBS Sports Network during the week for their all their content, college football. I think that's that's – to me, the fit. Um, the, I mean, the only other thing I can think of is, you know, NBC will have a Big Ten package. And they might need somebody there, but he doesn't fit there either. And he doesn't fit with Fox. So to me, CBS seems like the only, yeah, playing scheme. Yeah. I think he can go the Danny Cannell route too. Where he, Danny does some sort of podcast throughout the week. I think he pops up here and there on CBS Sports doing, doing, you know, some form of play by play stuff. And, you know, he's on all their, their streaming platforms. He could end up in a Danny Cannell type, type of deal as well. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that as well. Yeah, you, you know, uh, Danny Cannell is also on uh, Bad Dog Sports Radio. Uh, you know, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities there. Uh, you know, radio might be a good thing. Speaking of radio, <laughs> uh, ESPN Radio, which circles the drain <laughs> more and more each passing month. Uh, so they had already blown up the morning show. You know, Jason Fitz was also cut uh, from there. You know, their biggest mistake is they've been trying to have TV guys run a radio network, which is, you know, moronic in all sorts of ways. So, to me, should ESP Radio just get out of the talk business and just stick with their play-by-play properties? That's what I think they should do as far as radio goes, because none of their programming gets cleared in major markets or probably not even in mid-markets, their drive-time shows. So, they're just, to me, if they want to cut some money... Cut off the network. I think they're kind of doing that already. Yeah. I think that's the process that they're doing. Um, I agree with you. I think that's where they're going to end up doing. They might end up what they might end up doing is airing like some of their podcasts. I don't think they're out of the audio business because their podcast, you know, stuff is doing well. 
So I think what they're going to do is air some of the, and they kind of do that already now. Like Marty and McGee airs on a simulcast type of deal. And they're kind of a pot that started as a podcast and now it's kind of on SEC network. And then they put it on radio. I think that's what they're going to do is you're going to hear some of these podcasts air on the ESPN, you know, airwaves. And if the net, you know, the affiliates want to pick it up, so be it. But I agree with you. I think the play by play is really where they're going to still do their stuff. But as far as radio, I think it's done. I don't think they want to spend too much money on that. I say call Adam, bring sons of UCF over mm-hmm. to the ESPN radio lineup. Huh? Morning show, Adam? Is that Would that interest you? How early? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a possibility, but I know I agree with you, Elo. I think they take that radio channel, turn it to ESPN audio, and replay Adam Schefter's podcast, right? Replay ESPN daily, right? And I think you can come up with a lineup each week of, of different podcasts that are out there. Some of the more famous and some of the more topical ones. Wait, we talked about versatility earlier. A lot of these deals now are, are including their own podcast component. Joe Buck famously wants to do something in audio. I think Scott Van Pelt has a podcast that he does every like six months or something, right? Stanford Steve has a betting podcast. Like you can just start stacking those day in, day out. You build yourself a lineup after all. So primarily I could see them becoming, if they, if they go that route, I could see this as a nights and weekends programming. Not necessarily. Uh, going, going back to the old days, right? Going back to the old days, like when they started. Yeah. Go back, back where it started. Uh, yeah. I could definitely see that. I wonder if they regret breaking up Mike and Mike. Like, I know Greenberg wanted out of there. Adam had interviewed Mike Golick on his show. I mean, and anytime Mike Golick gets interviewed, that was an Adam plug there. Anytime Mike Golick, right, Adam? He, he is still ticked off. Still, yeah. the, right? Like, I think he would still do that show if they let him. Just every yeah. time I hear him talk. And I don't really understand if it was worth it. Now, they could argue that it was worth it because Greenberg's hosting the NBA stuff and all that, and the NFL draft. He could still do that without hosting the morning radio. Basically, Mike Greenberg's hosting a morning TV show instead of a morning radio show. And that Mike and Mike show, I know it wasn't for everybody, but that made him money. And it it hurt them a lot. Like, I know this, you know, at our station, we, you know, they, we carried Mike and Mike was a big thing. And when that went away, I think it hurt a lot of their chances of putting ESPN shows on the affiliates. I, I, I wonder if they regret that moving forward, uh, thinking back. Obviously, you know, they're going to say no because they have Greenberg on the TV. But is Get Up really, was it worth it? I, I don't know if it was worth it, personally. Yeah, I mean, I think they would argue that they're pivoting to to podcast audio, right? They're not out of the audio space. They're just going to format it differently and package it to you differently. But yeah, I, I got, look, that's the high watermark in terms of radio, right? Everything from ESPN radio since that day has gone downhill. And I think, you know, you said earlier, Jeff, but a lot of their strategy has been, let's just find three people. We don't care if they like each other. We don't care if they know each other. We don't care if they have chemistry. Let's put them in, in Zoom boxes on TV and see if they can talk it out, right? And and I think they've tried that all over the place and all the different time slots, and it's clear that that, that hasn't worked. What ESPN is missing is they had that chemistry back in the day with hosts and radio shows, and, and obviously at, at some point in time, for whatever reason, they decided to divest in that. I think to, to your point, Elo, they probably will never admit to you know to missing it, and I think they would probably tell you that they just package their audio differently now. Now it's on demand. Now it's consumable. Now it's in your pocket, not in your car or not in front of your, you know, your computer screen. I think that's probably the argument they would make to you. And I think the other aspect is, you know, they've tried to make a lot of their TV people, radio people. That doesn't always translate. You know, it's a special skill to do both. I mean, they were fortunate with Van Pelt because Van Pelt had Ryan Rosillo, which, you know, that was a great show. I mean, I've been to their show when they do it on site during college football season. They kind of lucked into that, but you're right. For the most part, 
it hasn't worked out. I mean, they you know they found Colin Cowherd. I mean, that's how Colin Cowherd became. Uh, but he was a traditional radio guy. You're right. But they've tried to do the TV thing, and it doesn't work. You, there's something to be said for radio guys still doing radio, and that bothers me. And Jeff, I know it bothers you. You both, we're both radio guys. Yep. Like it annoys us, right? When we see, oh, they got the former athlete doing the show, you know, and not saying that not a couple of them have done it, but a lot of them don't work out. And, uh, you know, but that's not just an ESPN problem. That's, a, I, in my opinion, that's a low, that's a lot of radio problems in today's day. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yep. That's a, that's a, yeah, you can, I can do a whole other podcast on that. But. <laughs> Bring me fact, in on one, that. Bring me in, brother. <laughs> fun fact. One of the worst radio shows I ever heard, I think was Brady Ackerman and uh, Terry Bowden <laughs> used to have a show, I think somewhere. It was on 580. That was a five. It was a, no, ten, yeah, it was the 1080. It was ESPN 1080 way one before I worked there for the record. Yeah. Yeah. Radio shows before I, I worked there. But it, yeah. but again, you know, and Terry, you know, it was actually better when they got, when Terry did it by himself. Yes. I actually interviewed Terry Brown about that before I think Akron played UCF in an opener because I was literally in the studio where he would do the show. And uh, we talked about that. And and then he went back into coaching. And then they brought in Jerry O'Neill and Mike Tuck. And, you know, I think we, we're lacking that now is those guys are radio guys. To, 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 to Jeff's point, every market now feels they have to bring in this former NFL player or former NBA guy or former baseball guy and push that narrative. And that doesn't connect with the local viewers. And the other problem, now you got me in a soapbox. With local radio, everybody wants to do national topics. Nobody wants to actually talk about their local teams. There's a reason why there's a local radio show is talk about your local teams. I used to argue about this with program directors uh, on the radio station. All right, I'm done out of my face. <laughs> well, and to your point, like, for example, uh, I've never heard the program, but I hear promos for it when I listen to Braves games. They have four former athletes in that market doing the morning right. show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. And again, one of the reasons why I think ESPN radio is done is people don't like, nobody cares about the national top. If I came in an Orlando market, I don't care that you're talking about, you know, the Seattle Seahawks or the Dallas Cowboys. No disrespect, Adam. You're a cowboy fan there. But I do think people miss the local. And I think one of the things is the podcasting, right? You know, I don't have to listen to radio anymore. Uh, if I want to hear about UCF talk, there's plenty of podcasts out there. More, um, but there's, or if you want to talk about the Braves, right, Jeff? You don't need to listen to Atlanta Sports Talk to hear the Braves anymore. You can listen. I'm sure there's podcasts that do Braves talk and stuff like that. Really, New York is the only one where you still have to listen to Sports Talk Radio because Michael K does that for the Yankees. But even that's different than it used to be with Mad Dog Russo and and Francesa. Is I think. Radio is still built on local radio, and ESPN Radio cannot provide that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm with you on that box. We'll stand tall with let, you. <laughs> I, well, let's you and I apply for the ESPN Radio Morning Show, Jeff. Let's yeah, there, just go ahead and do that. We can. Bring, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I'm, I'm on board. At least we've done shows together. Maybe that's the problem. Where though we might be over, we, we don't qualify. We've actually have chemistry on it. On the, on the <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That might count against <laughs> us, unfortunately. Um, so wanted to touch base. I know it's been a while since the College World Series aired on ESPN, and Carl Ravitch had a pretty big gaffe in in play-by-play and look elo you're a play-by-play guy i've done play-by-play on the radio for you know like minor league baseball some really? high school sports i did uh i did the i did the uh Kissimmee cobras one summer wow yeah 
Fun fact. Yeah, fun what? fact. Who knew? I did not know this. Yes. How do we just learn about this now? You know, like, how did this? You got to keep some secrets. You know, it's <laughs> Adam. You want to share any secrets of play by play you've done? I mean. I think I'd be great at it, but no, I've got. Actually, I want to be the color guy. I think baseball would be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think me, you, with the three of us. Let's just let's just call it baseball game. Sometime. Yeah, baseball is all fun. So, like you know, with 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 the Kissimmee Cobras, uh, the general manager would pop in from time to time. But most of the time, I did the game by myself. Um, you know, did some high school football stuff like that. And play by play is hard. It's not as easy as it sounds, or as easy as it looks. So, I hate to be too critical of a play-by-play guy, but (laughs) at that stage, college world series, you know, they consider Carl Ravitch to be their number one play-by-play guy. Uh, Big three run home run oral Roberts against TCU. He calls it a walk-off except it's not a (laughs) walk-off. Eric, have you have you been in that situation? Can you kind of re- relate to us what that would be no, like? No, I, I can re- I, I can relate not to that specifically. That's very important to know if it's top or bottom half of the inning. But I I, I could see it happening, and I that's I mean similar things have happened to me where I you know mis- you know you know I, I called it wrong info on the base. That's a fear. There's no question that's an ultimate nightmare for a broadcaster. Uh, the thing I don't get about what and I think and, and they'll never admit that this contributed to it but one of the things he does he doesn't do college baseball during the season which is a whole other topic like yes. they don't they, they they for whatever reason they just decide not to use their college baseball play-by-play people for the world series they bring in carl to do it and mike monaco who i don't even know if he does that many college baseball during the season because he's doing a lot of other like nhl hockey and stuff like that so that's one thing but the other thing he does is while he's doing the World Series, he's flying back and forth between doing that and Sunday night baseball, which I think is a mistake. I think that's hard, and I think that contributed to those that mistake because you're trying to. You're, you're, I'm sure he's doing, you know, getting set to do, you know, base Sunday night baseball, and then he's doing the college World Series. Like I don't understand why they don't just like go ahead and skip Sunday night baseball for two weeks. It's not going to be the end of the world. Except I think part of it is he feels he's got to do that because he's under scrutiny because he's not the best play-by-play guy on the ESPN roster when it comes to baseball. He's really the play-by-play number one guy because he's been there the longest, which I understand. But I think we would agree he's not number one if we did a poll by default. who's the best baseball play-by-play guy, especially when you've got a guy sitting at home who's in the Hall of Fame by the name of Joe Buck who can easily do baseball in his sleep. <laughs> so that's kind of a problem. And then you got other guys – uh, Kevin Brown, who did the alternate broadcast of the Home Run Derby, which was weird because that was like 30 seconds behind the actual broadcast. But anyway, you have Kevin Brown who could do baseball. I mean, that's the part that, to me, you're setting up for failure. And the fact he's bolting on the College World Series and bailing on Game 2, that would agitate me if I was a diehard college baseball guy, that your main guy won't even stick around for all three games of the of the, of the National Championship Series. So I think that all contributed to that mistake with Ravage. Uh, and again, it's just a weird dynamic there that I, I think they're making it too complicated, personally. My first thought was, boy, do I miss Dan Shulman. Uh, my <laughs> second thought was, like, and, and, and all respect, Elo knows more about broadcasting than, than all of us probably combined, right? And so I'll defer to him on, on the mechanics of it. But here's here's the thing that that I, I thought of, right? And, and Eric, you were 
certainly self, you know, uh, self-admitting, hey, I've made mistakes before, but there's a difference between mispronouncing Menkevich and, you know, not knowing if that's, you know, two balls or three balls and not knowing the, literally the game situation, right? And that's where, that's a fundamental thing, man. You've got to know the game situation. You get somebody's name wrong, you know, first to third, you, you know, you, you're blowing out, call, whatever, like, that's fine. But that's a fundamental part of the game. You've, you've got to get that part nailed. I'm okay if you flub names. I'm okay if you thought there were two balls and there's actually three, whatever that is. But that's a fundamental part of the game. That is literally the game mechanic. That's the bare minimum you have to know to be able to read the zeros on the top line or the bottom line. I mean, that's that's, that's like basic one-on-one. Again, I've never done it before, so I don't want to sit here and criticize to Jeff's point. Sure, there's a lot going on. Producers in his ear trying to get a call off, looking at his analyst, checking his phone for his flight to, to Sunday Night Baseball, whatever. <laughs> but that's a fundamental part of the game. You got to get right. I Mis- mispronounce a name, whatever, I'm good with it. But that's a fundamental part. You've got to figure out how to get that right. Yeah, I had just gotten home from the day job and flipped the game on. And, you know, when I, yeah, I, that literally was the moment I turned the game on. So I'm thinking the game's over, you know, that, in that brief one moment of sec- second. And then, but then I'm looking at the, at the score and I go, wait a minute, it's the top of the ninth. <laughs> Well, and you could tell, too, by his pausing that I would like to think he had a spotter there. I don't know if he had a spotter or not, but somebody was probably telling him, no, 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 it's not the bottom of the night. It's not. And, and he's probably like, what? What are you talking about? And then you make that mistake there. Uh, you know, I could see that happening. Like in some of these regional sites, the home team that's hosting is the visiting team. I could see where you get confused. Like I remember last year when UCF was hosting, they were the, uh, you know, in theory, there they could have been a scenario where they would have been the visiting team. I think they were the visiting team in one of the games. So against you Michigan, be, yeah. Against Michigan. So you actually have to write a note. And, and one of the things I try to do is remind myself on the air. By the way, UCF's the designated road team here because it, mentally you're used to them being the home team. But that's not what happened here. This was a neutral site. Or Roberts, and he just lost. I think he got caught looking ahead, honestly. And again, when you're preparing not only for College World Series with multiple different teams you're preparing for, but you're also preparing for Sunday night baseball that's in a different city with different teams, you got a lot of stuff in your head that's going to happen. So to me, I blame it more on the amount of responsibilities there. Uh, not excusing it. And he, look, to his credit, he went on Twitter and owned it. Yeah. And we all do. And trust me, that will stay with him. That will stay with you for a few days. Because um, that's happened to me when I've made mistakes and I'm thinking to myself, ah, you know, because I made a mistake on the when Sarah Willis threw a perfect game, I gave the incorrect information afterwards on who had previously thrown UCF perfect games. And then I look back on it and then I'm like, I, I yeah, should have just I knew shut it. up. I knew it, Elog. I never forgave you for that. I know. <laughs> I, I'm like, why did I just shut up in that It still point? sticks with me to this day, Elo. <laughs> I know. It bothered people like Adam. We expect perfection. Adam's so, like, I tweeted you, right? <laughs> right. Like, hey, man, that wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, I'm all nope. thumbs after that with Eric. Uh, I did correct myself like two minutes later. But that's <laughs> – you're right. That's – you know, it, it was bad. And, again, he doesn't do a ton of college baseball. So you add that, that agitates even more people. Like, why is he doing college baseball? He doesn't do it the whole year which is a whole other topic where I think I'm really kind of perplexed by that decision that they don't use. Like Tom Hart does a lot of college baseball. Clay Madvick is to me, he's fantastic. And the guy gets shafted all the time because he's basically stuck grooming analyst and does like these region, every sport. So I, yeah, no, it's, it was bad. Um, And it's unfortunate, but other than that, it was a successful college baseball world series. Do not, I mean, three of that. I mean, the numbers were through the roof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For college baseball, so um, yeah. yeah, that was, and they got phenomenal numbers. Uh, yeah, like three and a half yeah. million for Game Three of LSU spanking Florida. 
most watched baseball game on cable this year, more than any MLB game uh, uh, completely. So, uh, you know, that's something to watch in the next year or two. There's been so much talk about the NCAA championship contracts. You know, men's basketball are a separate deal from all the NCAA championships. I think you're going to see women's basketball and then college baseball and college softball perhaps get separate deals because they have proven they can draw viewers in prime time, which is very important to these network executives. Yeah, and up until the two blowouts, a lot of great games, which did not hurt either. Yeah, many believe it was the best college World Series they've had in years. Uh, And you know it was pretty important when Van Pelt had Kyle Peterson on after one of them. Mm -hmm. It definitely generated a lot of interest, and it helped that a lot of their guys were getting drafted too for the major prospect standpoint. So you you actually had people you can kind of recognize – which is something that college basketball is kind of running into that problem is who are these guys when we get to the final four? People knew who these guys were in college baseball, at least to the World Series, because they knew they were going to be like the LSU guys, Skeens in the picture there, Langford from Florida. You knew they were going to be top five picks in the MLB draft. Yeah, well, speaking of that, too, so you brought up uh, Skeens and, and whatnot. There was a – there was a what was I think it was in the Wake Forest game because they had, they, had they had a star pitcher, too, and – so in the second inning, they decide to have Roger Clemens zoom in to talk about these pitchers and whatnot. And so my first thing is, okay, why? And it's like, second, he's not there. <laughs> so what is the point of all of all this? You know, obviously, you know, he was a star pitcher at Texas, and, and he did win a College World Series, if I'm not mistaken. So... He's got some history there, but it's like, okay, I'm not searching for Roger Clemens to get my college world college baseball information. So no, what but is they're the trying po- to get they're they're trying to get casual people in. And this is thing ESPN's always done with the College World Series. They try to bring the MLB element into it. Right? We always do they're the ones that are pushing the draft stock of these guys. Rhett Lauder is the one you're talking about, Wake Forest. Yes, yes. Uh, who went to the Cincinnati Reds, really good pitcher. Um, but that's the thing they always try to push. Like there was one other game, I'm sure you you remember, where they interviewed the Yankee catcher during the game who happened to be an alum of one of the schools, but he was at Fenway. They were promoting the Yankee-Red Sox game, and oh, by the way, he just happened to be an alum. I think he was maybe old Roberts alum or something. I don't remember which school it was, but they probably they always try to cross-promote, do the MLB element to it because they feel that can bring more viewers to a casual to college baseball, they quite frankly, they don't get big ratings during the regular season. So they're trying to bring casual people. My question to people like Adam is, does that work? Like, does that get you, Adam, to watch a college baseball game because Roger Clemens is talking about these two uh, guys that are going to be drafted in the first round in a couple of weeks in the MLB draft? That's the big question. Not one bit. Yeah, not not (laughs) one bit. Not even, not even close. And only because, I mean, he's so far removed from from playing. We haven't heard from him a long time. His name's kind of shrouded in some stuff at this point. So for me, that was not a needle mover. Fun fact, though, Roger Clemens was on Twitter uh, and actually responded back to him. He was he essentially put a tweet out that says, uh, I want to go on some podcasts. Which podcast should I go on? So I wrote back. I was like, come on, this is UCF. And he never responded back to that. But I don't know if he's making a media rounds, if he's trying to get his name back out there, good graces. And I understand your point, Eric. You know, you know a big name for baseball circles is Roger Clemens. But for I was not the least bit interested in hearing his his commentary on a on a college you know World Series game. I have an idea, Adam. Yeah. UCF's in the Big Twelve now. Yeah, they're going to be in college baseball in the Big Twelve conference. I've been I'm trying. I'm yeah. I'm hearing 
rumors that Texas and UCF will play in baseball. I'm saying hit him up yeah. then. Okay. To talk about Texas UCF, and he'll. I bet you we'll, we'll see if he. I think he'll have a better chance of response. Done. There you go. Yeah, see, Elo, besides being a top-flight play-by-play guy, was one hell of a producer. Uh, Guest booking, mad magician. (laughs) Yeah, so he's got it all covered. Yeah, I just just always constantly get annoyed with the sideshow stuff ESPN does during games. That's just kind of always been a pet peeve of mine. Well, and the weird thing is they've kind of, like, they've, They've done the alternate broadcast stuff to kind of, right? Like I, which I like, like I actually am one of the few that watches K-Rod because I do like the fact that they'll bring in a Joel Sherman to talk about the Mets while they're struggling during a Mets Giants game, for example. So I do, they've had Clemens on that show, by the way, a million times. Uh, So I'm saying, Adam, just saying, just wait till the college bait, he'll be, he'll go on. Uh, But I do agree with you. I, I think they too much get away from the game and that does turn people. I, so I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes it gets a little bit too much on that yeah. aspect, especially on the baseball side. Yeah. And of course, when uh, they're doing college basketball tournaments and Hey, let's shrink the, uh, the screen of the game and stick Joe Lenardi's face on the other side and have him talk about game teams that are not even playing in this game. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of the stuff. It's like, just do the game. <laughs> Understand, but you know, but you know, the Lenardi part piece of it is they're trying to promote the bracketology and the questions. Now, to your point, what it does annoying is when they bring up other teams that are not involved in the game. If you're going to bring them on, bring up the fact. All right, you have these teams in. What's the story with these teams? Yeah, uh, and I, I agree with you. I think that's where it gets a little bit too much there. Yeah, and, and Elo said this earlier. Elo said this earlier, Jeff. We're not the demographic for this because today's generation is watching their game while they have their phone while they also have a youtube yeah. channel while they're playing a game of madden right they've got nine different things they need all that stimuli at the exact same time right you know folks like us who watch games all you had was the tv in the game right so i think that's a younger audience who wants to see four screens and pop-ins pop-outs other individuals because they're used to that over stimulation where you know the three of us just put me in the damn game on the tv right but <laughs> a 22 year old has got his phone out while he's watching youtube while he's watching the game on on, a, on an ipad right that's just how that's consumed these days yeah i mean I'm a, i might be a tweener because you know i you you know, I watch multiple games, you know, with m- multiple screens and things like that. So, but I only have audio for one, you know, because that would be totally nice trying to have audio for all three. But yeah, I mean, I guess I've become the cranky old man. <laughs> it's just, or you might be a perfect fit. I mean, you could produce ESPN's baseball coverage and ESPN radio. I mean, that's multi, yeah. that's versatility they're looking for. <laughs> there you go. All right. I hear, I heard that. Yeah. My, my radio career could be reborn. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last thing I wanted to t- touch on. Um, so Tiki Barber is going to be a regular NFL commentator for CBS this year. How about that? Um, got to drop the sound effects while we got it. So I find Tiki Barber to be an interesting story because... You know, he was once the golden boy at NBC, right? When he was on the Sunday Night Football set. He was on the Today Show. He was kind of like, was he Strahan before Strahan or Burleson before Burleson uh, in this yeah, age? Yeah, no, you're right. He was the one that was, everybody was thought would be. be yeah. yeah, he yeah. was supposed to be the whatever Michael Strahan has become. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, after his affair, things kind of fell apart for him as far as broadcasting went. Uh, so then, you know, he had to reinvent himself and then, you, you know, he ended up on radio and he was on, you know, CBS sports radio, 
with uh, Brandon Tierney. That eventually was folded over to WFA in New York in the midday slot. Uh, and so, you know, he kind of rebuilt his career, and now he's going to be back on NFL commentating, uh, doing game broadcasts this year. Now, I don't claim to be a Tiki Barber fan in any any way, shape, or form. I, 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 you know, I would say maybe average, a little above average, in my opinion. Uh, of course, his brother Rondé did uh, Fox games for 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 a long time. Um, you know, they could probably trade each week, and nobody would ever know the difference. Uh, <laughs> well, you laugh, you laugh, but I was like thinking to myself, "Where's Rondé?" Because a couple of years ago, they did they both did a game together with yes. Kenny Albert on Fox, and I actually thought it was pretty good. So why not? Can we just do that? Like we talked earlier about bringing the Van Gundys together for basketball. Can we do the the Barbers for football? Yeah, there uh, you go. Because I think they kind of, I feel like they're more comfortable with each other, which would make sense. They're twin brothers. Um, this has been a good off season though for Tiki. Because isn't he replacing? He's got the big drive time slot yes. now in New York, right? Yes. Replacing Craig Carden. Yes, he moved up up to that. So yeah, so he's he's had a he's had a career renaissance. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, my, I'm curious who's who will he be paired with at CBS? Will be the question. Yeah, that, yeah. My official comment on this one, Jeff, is meh. Yeah. <laughs> Meh. Eh, meh. I mean, okay, maybe he might be okay, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, Tiki Barber. I wonder how, like, it was meh. Uh, he, he might be okay, and maybe I'll, I'll listen to a game or two, but I'm not going to seek out Tiki on week one and see what game he's on and, and catch five or ten minutes out of curiosity. So it's in the it's in the meh category for me. Yeah. Well, I'm curious where he's in the depth chart, right? Like, you know, yeah. Romo's one, Charles Davis is two. Um, I'm trying to remember now that the rest of the depth chart there, it's good. you got the Harlan group there. I mean, that's Trent the thing. Green. I mean, is Trent Green still there? I was I was wondering if Trent was still doing the games. That's what I was trying to remember. I think Trent was let go. If I'm not right, mistaken. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. You, you go to ESPN <laughs> or what happened there? <laughs> I don't know. See me ask So, you know, I do wonder if Tiki, if they have him like in the top half of this group. I mean, you had Andrew Catalan, James Loft. I mean. I feel like we're going to see some new faces on the CBS. You know, CBS, the last couple of years, you pretty much can predict what their lineup broadcast well, is. Gumble, uh, Gumble will be out. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. so he's out, uh, among others. I think there's going to be some changes there. I think Cheeky Barber is going to be a part of that. Who is he going to be paired with is going to be the question there. We have Harlan, I and Eagles with Charles Davis. Which we know the top two. Harlan, if Trent's gone, that could. I'm wondering if that's the number three. Is that where are we going to get a Harlan Tiki Barber? Are we going to get uh, uh, something like that? I think it will be the question with Tiki Barber. But I mean, at the end of the day, Adam's right. It's not unless he's paired up with his brother. I'm not really, you know, I'm not tuning in to like listen to Tiki's thoughts. Yeah, I just thought it was an interesting story about how his career has done. You know, it's been up and down, up and down. Yeah, so. Uh, and I would like to see the Cattle and Lofton group move up. You know, that's a that's a terrific pairing. You know, James Lofton to me is like one of the the most underrated analysts out there. Interesting, but again, he could. I would not be shocked if he was a casualty to add Tiki Barber. Yeah. Well, I can Frank see Green's still way. on the CBS website, by the way. So I'm okay. diligently <laughs> okay. All right. So all right. Still on the, the other website. Now I can't. Oh I no! Uh, was the, Green, no so. Archuleta's out. I think he's out. Maybe he's the one that was you were thinking. We were yeah. thinking he's out. Or or I'm <laughs> or I'm just firing people left and right for no good reason. <laughs> Why not? I mean, it's the theme of the show. <laughs> I'm I'm efforting the Adam Archuleta news. Stand by. <laughs> 
Stand, stand by. Yes. Uh, so, where's that press release? Really? Adam Eaton, the uh, the uh, the CFO of the program, and also fact checker. <laughs> Stab yes. boy. <laughs> yes. Back stab boy. Yes. Ironic. Very, very ironic. <laughs> we need more of those people on shows. Yes. Well, I'm also terrible at it because I cannot find this answer. So <laughs> you're going to, this is going to have to be a cliffhanger for another episode, Jeff. Ooh, we come back and update everybody on whether or not Adam Archuleta or Trent Green have been let go from their jobs <laughs> at CBS. All right. Well, well, there you go. Uh, anything you guys want to throw out before we, uh, we close the shop? Oh. Do your shameless plugs at least. Yeah, I'll plug away. So Sons of UCF, wherever you do social media stuff, including a, we have a thread account now. I don't know if we're, if we're threading. I don't know what we call that, but we have a thread account. So in case Twitter collapses on you, you can still find us there. YouTube channel at Sons UCF. We're getting ramped up for football season content. We have a couple new things we're working on, some some new stuff that you want to make sure you check out. So subscribe to the Sons of UCF YouTube channel as always. Podcast weekly live show Thursdays and a whole bunch of revelry in between. So follow us at Sons of UCF. Follow our, our co-host as well, Trace Trelco at Signpez, UCF Mike at UCF Mike One, and our new guy, Leo Rodriguez at Leo Sportif. Uh, so follow the gang there and uh, tune in and enjoy all the revelry as we get ready for the UCF football season. And if uh, Elo has his way, you'll be the morning show on ESPN Radio. Yeah, that way you don't have to worry about where, where Adam or Trent Green is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I have any guest, Elo. I mean, I have to call you up for a booking on that one. I mean, amen to that. Uh, you can follow me at uh, Eric Lopez Elo, still on Twitter uh, uh, among there. Uh, but you can also f- read my work at blackandgoldbanneret.com. I just did the top 100 UCF greatest male athletes. Uh, Dante Culpepper, number one. Any issues there with you, both of you there? No? Not at all. None. Da- all right, uh, but still read. Despite that, you could you might disagree with other rankings. It'll be fun, and I'm doing the top 100 female athletes going on there on BlackandGoBanneret.com as well. And then I'm doing obviously content at Fast Pitch News uh, podcast for softball, even though it's the off season. And then I've got another project that I'm working on that'll uh, it'll be coming out soon. Can't talk about it now. Ah, so we got now. Tune in next time when Elo reviews yeah, his project. I got my own cliffhanger. And not Adam, as dramatic as Adam's Adam cliffhanger. Brings but, uh, in whether or not Adam Archuleta or Trent Green are on the CBS roster. <laughs> Still we- can't find that. I got a press release here, though, that says uh, that's a, it's basically announcing. It says, keep in mind that Greg Gumbel will no longer be calling NFL games. He's the only one listed in that section as no longer calling NFL games on CBS. So <laughs> do with that what you will. So maybe, Jeff, we just fire people premature. Yeah, I guess, you know. I'm, I'm like a TV executive at ESPN. What can I tell you? <laughs> okay, well, we'll get we'll get back to it. Uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll announce their football broadcasters soon enough. Yes, on that. All a right. lot of big questions too this fall because we spent you know Tiki adding the CBS. Like, who's going to be ESPN's number two college football guy? Remember, Todd Blackledge is going to be on NBC. So, who's going to be the number two guy behind Fowler and Herbstreit? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue this year. With some of the football broadcasting assignments. Oh yeah, we definitely we definitely have to do a a preseason edition uh, of uh, of the football breakdown. That's definitely coming. Ooh, I like and, that, Adam. You like I, that's good. Jay Feely, I think, is who you're thinking about. Jay Feely, I think, Feely. is no longer calling games. Yes, that's the one. Oh. Ah, okay. I can, Got it. Sleep. I can sleep tonight. Finally. Okay. <laughs>
<laughs> How do you? There you go. Yeah, yeah. If you if you could if you could see the video, man, Adam was grinding. He was he was he was he was yeah. he was he was under the clock too, which yeah. you know under yeah. the buzzer. <laughs> Jeff was I wrapping up the show, and I was stalling <laughs> I here it. for him. You know? I was waiting for theme music to start. And I was like, I better <laughs> I better hurry along here. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we'll give you that. We'll we'll give you that uh, going out. The little uh, little Keith and Dan uh, sports center music, uh, guys. It's always a blast doing this, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Thank you, Jeff. Uh, appreciate it. always a blast. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs.